book of Philippians. And after you found your place, I'd like to begin reading. I'd like to read the last two verses of chapter 3, and then we'll read down through a few verses of chapter 4. We'll begin with Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. And had I was going to pick a psalm that would have gone along with the message of the challenge from God's Word this morning, I couldn't have picked a better message than what Tim just sang, and that's bow the knee, bow the knee and bend. We would have a pliable heart that would be yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what bowing the knee is all about, isn't it? Is yielding us to Him. If you have your Bible open, I'll start reading aloud if you'll follow along with me. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 20. For our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile or our weak, frail body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, forget about the chapter division for a moment. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Dias, and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I call your attention back to chapter 3 of Philippians in verse 21. And the last part of that verse, Philippians 3 verse 21 says that he, that is Jesus Christ, is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, today, for these next few minutes, would you help us to keep our attention upon your word, O God? Help me, O God, to leave anything unsaid that doesn't need to be said today. And God, may the Holy Spirit have freedom and liberty to take your word and speak to our hearts. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to get you to think with me for a few minutes this morning 
I underlined that word subdue there in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. It actually means to arrange in ranks or, to word it another way, to put you in your place. None of us like to be put in our place, do we? But if God says that, that's all right. It's to arrange in ranks, to put in proper order, or to be in subjection to or yielded to, or it actually could be worded this way, it means to bring under control or to conquer. Like to, I really struggled with what to title the message today because I, I, I couldn't get peace about the title that would, 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 in one statement, get across the truth I want to get across this morning. And so I've chosen this as a title, A Christ Conquered Christian. Are you a Christ conquered Christian this morning? Now you can be a born again believer and on your way to heaven and I can be a believer on my way to heaven but has Christ really conquered? Has Christ really gained control of my soul and life? Is everything really, has, have I allowed him to subdue me and put me in my proper place and bring me really under his authority? and under his lordship, because he is king of kings and lord of lords, amen, and we certainly need to bow our heart before him and our knee before him. Now, usually, if you're like me, if you look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it's talking about the second coming of Christ, right? And what a glorious event that's going to be, and that, that could start happening today as far as the rapture. And it talks about looking forward to getting a new body one day and all these promises. But many times I look at those two verses and I think of the future. I think, oh, what a glorious day. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. What a day that's going to be when Christ comes back. And, 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 he sub and, 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 and by the way, there is coming a day in there. And this is a whole different message where, where every, listen, every 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 ounce of authority on this planet today has been delegated by God and one day it's all going to be subdued and brought back under God, redound to the glory of God. It's all going to be subdued. And we understand these two verses have to do primarily with the future and prophecy. But what about today? Let me ask it this way. Does your faith in Jesus Christ, do, does being a Christian make any difference in your life today or is it all out there in the future? Well, I'm saved, I'm a believer, I'm going to heaven someday, so hallelujah. Does, does our Christianity, is it just the future or does our Christ, is our Christianity really making any difference today? as light and soft? Are we really making any difference in the little corners of the world where we live? Or is it all pie in the sky for the future someday? Well, I'd like to think it's for today, amen. It's, this is the day the Lord hath made, and we rejoice and be glad therein. Now, I came across a thought. Someone said this. When we think about this word subdue, to be, for God to bring us... Not, not, Focus with me on the present for a moment, not just what God's going to do out there in the future, but individually that God would subdue us and bring us under his control. And, 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 and I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but, but sometimes God has to put me in my place. How about you? 
You know, sometimes I think if God would just listen to me. You know? If God would just... And then God in his firmness but love puts me back in my place and say, Hey, Frank, I'm God. I'm in control here. I'm in control. And really that's what that word subdue. I just need you to be pliable and yielded and yield to me, bow the knee to me. Now someone said the reason that's so important, and this is not original with me, says because sin has messed everything up, and because of sin, our values are twisted, our vigor is wasted. The word vigor there means our strength and energy is so often wasted even on good things instead of spiritual things and eternal things. Our values are twisted, our vigor is wasted, and our vision is clouded. And when I saw that little quote, the word vision immediately grabbed me because of our theme this year, refocus, refocus, vision. Now, I believe I could safely assume this morning that the overwhelming majority of us in this auditorium right now has some kind of vision correction. Many of us are wearing glasses right now. Many of you are wearing contacts. Many of you who've never, some of you who've never wore glasses or contacts, perhaps you've had surgery, perhaps you've had some procedure done on your eye. But I'd say the overwhelming majority of us have had some kind of vision correction to help our blurred vision to become clear. Is that not true? Can you remember the first time when you started wearing glasses or contacts? I've been thinking about this ever since back in October, November when Tim and I started talking about this been a possible theme for our, for our uh, 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 2020 year this year. And I thought back to the first time I realized I needed glasses. Now I'm sharing this with you for a reason. I was my, in my first year of Bible college at Piedmont Bible College in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I went there one year. And I was sitting there, and this didn't happen all at one time. Over a period of days, maybe even a few weeks, every now and then I began to notice I couldn't read the writing that the professor was putting on the board. I could read it and take the notes, but every now and then I'd catch myself trying to strain a little bit. And, and over a period of time, different classes, different professors... And I, I, I thinking back, I remember thoughts like this going through my mind at various times. I wish that professor would bear down on that chalk a little bit harder. Maybe I could see it, you know. And then I remember, and this happened over a period, maybe even a few weeks, I don't know. And, and I would think thoughts like, maybe these chalkboards are getting it. It would be nice if somebody would donate some new chalkboards to this college, you know. And then I remember thinking thoughts like, maybe it's the lighting in here. Or the sun coming, you know, and all these things going through my mind. Now, one day I was sitting there, and I looked at, uh, his name was Richard, the young man in the seat right across from me, and he wore eyeglasses. And I remember it as clear as if it Now, folks, this was back in 1971, okay? Or was it 1870? <laughs> and, and he had on a pair of glasses, dark black rimmed glasses. And he took them off and he laid them on the desk there and the professor was up there talking and you know how we students are sometimes. Professors going 90 miles an hour and we're not paying any attention. And I looked over there and I had a most brilliant thought. I said, Richard, can I borrow your glasses for a minute? Now, I'm not exaggerating. I know how you preachers sometimes, you know, we exaggerate to get a point across. I'm not exaggerating. 
we're sitting there, the professor's talking right on the board, and, the and Richard hands me his glasses, I take them, and I put them on, and it's a miracle. <laughs> I don't know what prescription that was, but it must have been exactly what I needed. I'm not exactly, and I sat there, and I was going like this. And, and I noticed three or four of the other students was looking at me like, he's losing it, he's losing it. He's and I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, look at that. My goodness, you know. Well, make a long story short, when I got home on break, guess what I did? I got glasses. And, and I don't remember the, the, the name of the, the, the doctor and all that, but his office was right across there in Waynesboro, right across from what used to be the old uh, Waynesboro ho uh, Hospital there. Remember that? For, and, and I came out walking like this. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Huh? Know what I'm talking about? And now, why am I telling you that? Because you know what? I've been thinking about this. Not one time in all those days or weeks did I ever think the problem was me. I, it, wasn't that I, it, it wasn't that I was just kept, it's not my eyes, it can't be that I need, I, I just never thought about it. The thought of eyeglasses, or going, never, I just, all, all I can ever remember going through my mind, the chalkboard, the lighting, if the professor would just bear down on the chalk. And you know what the problem was? Now, you know, I know sometimes it may be the chalkboard, it may be the light, but the problem all along wasn't any of those things. It never even, I never even entertained the thought that the problem might be here. And you know, sometimes it's that way in our Christian lives, isn't it? We can blame it on the president, we can blame it on the politicians, we can blame here and blame there, and never stop for a moment. It's not that we're just, no, we're not just going, no, it's not me, it's not me, it's not. We don't even entertain the thought that maybe most of the problem might be right here. It might be right here with me. Now, with that in mind, I'd like to... And, and, now, the reason I want to make it practical for us today here when he talks about this subduing is because it's not just out in the future. Notice the very, forget the chapter division, and Paul says, Jesus Christ, Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, Jesus Christ is able to subdue all things unto himself, therefore. And Paul, now that he stated the truth, and now he says, here's what the practical results ought to be. Here's the difference it ought to make in your life. Not somewhere way out there in the future when Christ comes back again, but right now, today, February 2nd, 2020. Amen. Are you with me this morning? That Jesus Christ is able to subdue me and bring me under control, put me in my place, and help me to bow the knee to him. Now, I want to take those three thoughts that are not original with me. Someone said, the reason we need Christ to subdue us is because our values are twisted, our vigor is wasted, and our vision is clouded. Number one, how can my clouded vision be corrected? I'm going to start reading in chapter 4, verse 1 here in Philippians. And I want you to notice how many wonderful God-honoring, Christ-like qualities of life are mentioned. Boy, that's what we need a clear vision on, isn't it? We may can even call them the fruits of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Holy Spirit if we had time to look all these passages up. 
And in this way, our values aren't twisted and out of shape because of sin, but we begin to see what, from God's perspective, what, what are the real values and priorities of this life? Life comes and goes so quick. Real God-honoring qualities of life. Isn't that what we want to have a proper vision of and not have our vi- So many people have their vision clouded, don't they? They got their values and priorities, and even sometimes we believers do that. Let's just go through, watch this, begin, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for. There's the quality of love. Isn't there a wonderful brotherhood of real genuine love and compassion among brothers and sisters in Christ, amen? There's that fruit of the Spirit, love. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy. There's another aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy. And so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. There's that love again. Stand fast. There's that steadfastness, that commitment, that devotion. Isn't that a wonderful quality of life? You can. How many times have you heard me say this recently? And, and almost every week goes by, I'll talk to somebody who's in management somewhere, whether it's McDonald's or wherever, and they'll tell you their biggest headache today is finding somebody who's committed and devoted and will stick to the job, amen, even out in the world. These are, are these wonderful qualities of life or not? Love, joy, commitment, steadfastness. Verse 2, I beseech you, Dias, and I beseech Sintaishi, or Syntyche, some pronounce it, that they be of the same mind in the Lord, the quality of unity and working together and getting along together. Verse 3, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fella. Oh, a yoke fella. Who's that? That's a guy that likes eggs and yolks, right? No, 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 no. That's a guy. Watch this. Now, it's so practical. You know what a yoke fella is? It's a guy, picture two oxen, I'm not calling you oxen now, okay? Illustration. It's a guy who's willing to put his head in the yoke with you and say, come on, Frank, I'll pull the load with you. I won't pull the opposite direction or stick my foot out and trip, trick you, trip you. I'll get in there with you. That's a good husband-wife relationship, isn't it? That's a good parent-child relationship. Wow. Isn't that a wonderful quality of Good old-fashioned work ethic. And I entreat thee, true yoke fella, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are written in the book of life. And then the the quality of joy again in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, do you agree with me that I'm not stretching the scripture here? You just casually read those four verses and all kinds of fruit of the Spirit and wonderful qualities of life jump right out at you, right? That's getting a clear vision of the real values and of life and they're not twisted, but they come in line with the Word of God. Drop down to verse 8. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are, what's the next word? True. There's not much in the world today that's not true, is there? I mean, you can turn the news on, pick up the newspaper. We don't have to worry about checking things out, do we? My goodness, folk, if it's on Facebook, you can, you can believe it like the Bible, amen? Doesn't the word true just refresh your heart? 
Doesn't it? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. <laughs> Don't you like to go get your car worked on? You talk to somebody about insurance or you call and, and you, 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 you just, isn't it refreshing to find somebody that you feel like they're being honest with you? They're being truthful with you. I remember the first brand new automobile. I've only in my lifetime bought two brand new. I'm confessing my sins today. If you're a car salesman, I apologize. I've only bought two brand new automobiles, and then I learned, let the other guy buy it new, and then you buy it off of him in a year or two, and you've saved yourself a lot of money, amen? And the first brand new car I bought off of, I bought it off of a guy I went to high school with, of all things. And he was dishonest with me about some things. And I went back to him, and I sat across the desk from him. I called him by his name, and I said, is this true, is it? And he started turning red and got embarrassed and he bowed his head and he said, no, I wasn't really completely honest with you. And, uh, well, I mean, it wasn't anything, it wasn't no life and death situation. And you know, you, isn't it nice to just have somebody that's been honest with you? Would you say that's a pretty good value in life, amen? Are you with me? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, and, and we, I believe that has to do with moral purity there, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Build your life on these wonderful qualities of life. And as a Christian, we would call them fruits of the Spirit, wouldn't we? Fruits of the... Now, that's how you get a clear vision. You say, God, help me. I want you, God, to subdue me. My thought life, my values in life, my priorities in life. Oh, God, help. Bring me in tune with you. Bring me in line with your word. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, oh, God. And, and build, put these wonderful God-honoring qualities of life and character traits and fruits of the Spirit in my life. Can you say amen to that? Number two, what about my vigor being wasted? You know, life is energy, isn't it? Some of us are at the place where, you know, when I sit, I don't have a pain in my body. Thank God. Now, I may have one for the day's over, but you know what I'm finding out? When I get up, i got to do like Daisy Vernon used to say. Rock three times and go at it. Because you know what I'm finding out right there? Ooh, my knees, there's not a pain in them, but they just don't, well, maybe there's too much there. I don't know what it is. But those knees, you know what? With the older we get, we find out that energy, that life, it's, it's still there, but, it, you know, you kind of got to rock it a couple of times to get it moving along the way. Amen. What do we really invest in our lives in? What are we spending our lives on? Someone, and I agree with this, because of sin many times, even as Christians, our values are twisted and our vigor is wasted. Notice, notice verse 9 here in chapter 4. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. What's the next little two-letter word? Do. Didn't the Apostle James said, hey, folk, let's be a doer of the Word. Put it, to be, put it to practice. We read words like back up in the first four verses. In verse 3, yoke fella, 
labored, fellow laborers, and, and primarily in getting the gospel out to a lost world. People still need Jesus, amen? There are people, how many people in Augusta County, how many people in Augusta County today would go to hell if they died because they do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior? And by the way, we still believe the Bible. We still believe there's a real heaven, a real hell. The Bible hasn't changed one. It's not a matter of whether or not it's in the Bible. The question is whether we're willing to believe it or not. And by the way, that's been yielded bowing the knee to God, isn't it? Bowing the knee to Jesus, taking him at his word, not trying to explain it away or deny it because we don't want to believe it. See, that's rebellion against God, isn't it? And boy, that's abundant today, isn't it? Just because we don't want it or don't like it, we're just going to throw it away and resist it. <laughs> that, that's, that's twisted thinking. That's because of sin. And we need to be subdued and put in our place and bow the knee to God. People need the gospel. I'm simply saying, you know, life comes and goes so quick. I want a clear vision. There are so many good things in this life. But the verses we're memorizing challenge us sometimes to lay aside the weights. Even the good things sometimes sometimes need to be laid aside so we can have a clear vision of what, 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 are, the, what are the priorities and values that God wants me to have in my life. And then instead of wasting life, and you know, and sometimes young people, I'm not picking on you, but sometimes young people think, you know, when I get old like the preacher, I'm going to get busy. I'm going to get serious about living for Jesus. Don't wait till you get old like the pastor. <laughs> Don't waste those wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. Turn around, turn around from a life of wasted years, amen. Don't waste the energy of life. But be a doer, be a laborer, take those talents and abilities and, and we, we yoke together and use it to get the gospel out to a lost world and help each other and provoke one another and encourage one another as we're growing in the Lord. And what about a clear vision? What about a clear vision? Verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3 reminds us, yes, that Jesus is coming again. We sang a song earlier today that says, when we see him, it will be worth it all. And can you say amen to that? Yes, it will be worth it all. But listen, you know what? You don't have to wait till you see Jesus. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy your salvation. You can enjoy God today. You can walk with God today and fellowship with God today. Amen. And God can give us that clear vision. Verse 20, verse 20 says, for our citizenship is in heaven and from whence we look for the Savior. Yes, we're, that's our blessed hope. The only real hope, the only real ultimate hope for this world is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. There will be no real peace till the Prince of Peace comes. But what about until then? Look at verse 9 again. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. You know what? It's easy for me to look around and find an unfaithful Christian. Or a pastor somewhere. I heard, matter of fact, Dr. Amsbaugh that preached to us last Saturday in our men's... Uh, uh, no, it wasn't Dr. Amsbaugh. It was a, a pastor Tim and I heard at a preacher's fellowship a couple of weeks ago uh, from West Coast Baptist College. said, I went to a church and preached 
a couple of times because the pastor had a couple of kids in the Bible college, and I told the, the president of the Bible college that I'm not going to go back there and ever preach again. And he said, the pastor's lazy. All he talks about is his horses. All, he said every night he watches about two movies, two nice, decent movies, westerns, before he goes to bed. The church has dwindled down to just a handful of people. The church is dying. And the preacher talks about riding his horses and watching two movies every night before he goes to bed. And he's just coasting it out for retirement. He said, hey, why should I waste my time going over there and, and, and preach, you know? And so, well, that's a true, that's, that's good, isn't it? Would you say that's wasting your vigor, not having a clear vision? It sure is. Now, you didn't know there were preachers like that, did you? Huh? We're all human. We're all human and stuff. And so we need to ask God to help us. Hey, let, let's... I could pick out, I could say, well, hey, you know what? I think I'll be like that pastor. After all, I've, I've tried to serve God for, you know, I wonder how many sermons I've preached in 40-some years. I think I'll just coast it out. What do you think? That'll be all right? I'm going to let Tim do it all from now on. <laughs> I'm just going to sign the papers and get my paycheck. What do you all think? Would that be all right? Or I could look around at another pastor who's still going full speed ahead. He hadn't retired. He's refired. Amen? Now, I'm not saying... I hope God will give me the wisdom, if physically or mentally, and I may not be too far from there. Don't get too excited. Where I'm more of a hindrance to the church, and I may help. I hope I'll have sense enough to back off and say, hey, you know what? I need to... I hope... Y'all pray God will get... So some, that, and I mean that. But you know what? I, I don't want to let some unfaithful Christian discourage me. I want to look around and find somebody like the Apostle Paul. In spite of their physical ailments, in, fight, in spite of their heartaches, man, they love Jesus, they're going on strong. I don't know about That encourages me. How about you? I used to think I was such a hot Christian because I didn't have some of those problems. And one day, God knows how to get your attention. And he said, Frank, the reason you don't have some of those problems is because you're not strong enough for them. You'd, you'd probably cave in like a blade of grass, amen? But those folk are humble and their hearts are dependent on me. If, I've gone, if I'd had to go through some of the trials that some of you have been through, but for the grace of God, I don't know where I'd be. Oh, I know I could stand here and, and boast and say, oh, you know, by the grace of God, I can handle it and I can handle it. If I'd gone through some of the heartache some of you have gone through, but for the grace of God, I don't know where I'd be. Let's be honest about it. And neither do you if you hadn't been through some of them. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? Hey, look around and find somebody. Paul said, hey, in verse 9 again, he said, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, that you've seen in me. God, give us a clear vision. God, give us corrective values. God, give us a goal to use the energy of every day of life that God's given us for His honor and glory. In verse 8, verse 5 of Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The word moderation there means gentleness. Somebody said sweet reasonableness. Yieldedness. It simply means that I've come to the place in my Christian life as a believer 
where I'm no longer just constantly resisting and fighting with God and arguing with God and trying to have my own way, but it means I'm allowing Jesus to conquer me, to bring me under his control. I want to be, ply, I want to be clay in the potter's hand. Submit, submission, yieldedness, bowing the knee, humbling my heart before God. Say it any way you want to say it. Just saying, God, Jesus put it this way in the Garden of Gethsemane. Thy will, not my will, but thine be done. What an example to follow. Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Here we are starting a, 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 already a month into this new year, 2020. And I don't want it to be a wasted year. I want God in your life, my life, your family, my family, Valley Baptist Church. Oh, how God could use us all individually and then as a team, as a group, to accomplish His will and purposes. If you're here today and you're not absolutely sure that you're even a believer, a real born-again Christian, that Jesus is your Savior, would you bow the knee to Jesus? Would you yield to the truth of the Word of God? The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus went to that cross, died for our sins, was buried and rose again. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not a church. It's not any religion. Only Jesus can save you from your sins. Maybe you've been fighting that or resisting that or questioning that. Would you be willing to just come in simple faith today and bow the knee to Jesus and yield to Him? You can't live a Christian life you don't have. You've got to be saved first. Young people, children, mom, dad, no matter who you are, is there some area in your Christian life where you've been resisting, fighting, struggling with God? Oh, the happiest place for you to be is just let Him subdue you. Let Him bring you under His control. Call it what you want, His Lordship. Call it what you want. Don't resist and fight against the Lord. Let Him have His will and way in your heart and life. Would you stand with me as we pray? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, speak to our hearts today. Lord, it's so easy to look around and blame our trials and frustrations in life on everything else and never entertain the thought that maybe a lot of the problem is with me. Right here in my heart wanting to have my own selfish way, and on and on we could go. God, speak to our hearts today. You love us, you care about us, and help us, God, truly to humble our hearts and bow the knee to you. Bring us under, subdue us, O oh God. May your love and mercy and grace subdue us and break us and mold us and make us and bring us under your authority and into your will. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the pianist to begin to play while our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You've been very patient, and I appreciate that. But while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and the pianist playing, is there anybody here today and you'd say, Pastor Hall, I don't even know if I'm really saved or not. Why don't you let someone pray with you and take a Bible? No obligation to Valley Baptist Church. We just want to help one another. 
would you meet me down here at the front? And I'll say, why did you come forward? And you just tell me what's on your heart. Say, I'll have one, a man or a woman just, if you want to, they can take you into one of the Sunday school classes and, and private and just pray with you and show you from the Bible how to get that thing settled. Do you need Jesus today? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Is there another need on your heart, a burden on your heart? Do business with God. Oh, is there a war going on? Is there a fight? Is there a struggle there? Oh, give it all to Jesus. Yield it to Him. He's able to subdue all things unto Himself. One day He will, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess one day. But oh, how happy you can be when you willingly let Him do it in your heart and life today. Just give it all to Jesus. If we can help you, you come right now. I'm going to ask the pianist to finish this verse, and that's all. Make decisions in your heart today that count for time and eternity. All of God's people said, Amen. Well, I don't know that any of us today could be honest and say, Yes, yes, I believe with the grace of God I have been completely 100% conquered by Christ. But I tell you what, you know what the attitude of your heart is today, don't you? And the desire of your heart is. And hopefully we can say that's the desire of my heart. I want Jesus to have his will and way in it all. And when we're in those situations where we know that where we're resisting, we're tugging, that God will bring this message back to our mind and say, hey, Jesus, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Can you say amen to that? Amen. God bless you. Be careful going home. We'll see you back here tonight.